is this like you're being backlit yeah. by like yeah i i find <laughs> i find as, as i do now is uh, uh, are your is your light on because i don't no. i tend to find that i tend to find that helps um, I, I do a lot of work. Unfortunately, that's screen. fine. It's cool. It's like I've always, I've always wanted to have a conversation with like an angel. It looks like it looks like Sean died, uh, like for our sins in Wakefield. Like is that's that, what it looks like. Is that, 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 have... that didn't help me. Okay, because well. I only have one <laughs> in this room, and it's like a mastermind. Like, um, and I am moving out in three days, so. I don't no, don't worry. Don't worry. Like, it's just funny. Yeah, Sorry, I'm just um, just making some final decisions, and then we're, I'm gonna suggest we get rolling. Uh, da, 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 da. Okay, so I've already started recording. So um, every, everything you've just said there is vulnerable to Karen deciding to put it into <laughs> <laughs> the beginning. Um, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go basically. Hello and welcome to the Social Review Podcast. Uh, this is a snap episode to discuss the double by-elections. Uh, this is the complete opposite of what we intended to do when we fired up this podcast again, which is just respond to electoral events. We were intending to uh, you know, go into detail with policy areas and um, do more than just electoralism and, and Westminster politics, but uh, life happens. Harry is a jet setter. He's between LA and Barcelona and London. Uh, I started a new job, and but you know, hopefully we'll get get some good content coming away soon. But in the meantime, we're joined by Julia and Sean from the Social Review, and also Chris Terry from the Ballot Box Podcast. Um, you know, by elections, Chris Terry, snap, snap, uh, snap, reaction to. <laughs> um. Pretty bad for Conservatives. <laughs> I, um, you know, by elections, yeah, they're, they're moments in time, like polling. That it's a reaction to events. It doesn't necessarily mean any mean anything for sure about the future, but it does mean something about the present, which is that people are really angry with the government and they're prepared to go out and show it. <laughs> I was wondering, um, Julia, does Keir Starmer get a pardon or? Uh, parole from Korma prison this result oh you know that's that's up to the Durham police you know like I can't I can't prejudice the investigation you know I, I'm sure we're gonna get into this but I've I've often like said that like here's Armour is the first experiment we have on like what would it be like if labor had no leader what if it was just like labor and then you just had to like input like your thoughts into it I think it like I think there's like there's gonna be like a lot of takes from different directions that like Keir Starmer had something to do with the result of or some element of the result or like lower turnout or or like the victory. I think primarily this this is a result of like pressures of like inflation, like Chris said, like being mad mm -hmm. at the government and of, at the fact that Boris Johnson is like has been taking the piss for the past like for the past his life, but also like in the way that affects us in the, in the past like year or so i think that's the main thing uh i think you know his his crimes for beer gate can never be forgiven but <laughs> uh we can we can 
we can look at the at the wider events that might just might turn this rogue into a hero. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sean, did you have a sort of snappy take you wanted to get out before we delve into it? Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair, fair reaction, yeah. <laughs> was that it? That was, yeah, that was it. That is the current situation of the Tory party. Perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable. Well, maybe we should start off by, you know, working out what it is exactly we're talking about. Chris, you're you're the cephalogical expert here. What what actually happened in the two seats? Well, um, so we had two constituencies up, um, both um, because of resignations of uh, Conservative MPs, um, both for um, sex crimes, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, one convicted of pretty horrendous crime in Wakefield, the other um the other watching pornography in the castle college chamber um yeah lovely stuff yeah. <laughs> um yeah um, so what well wakefield of course was a uh, kind of what is nowadays usually referred to as a red wall seat it's uh um was one of the seats that labor lost that it had had for a very long time in at the 2019 election albeit it's also worth saying that wakefield has never really been a seat that you'd call safe per se. It Labour kept on winning it. In, in, well, I wouldn't say never, but in recent years, it's not been a safe seat. Like it's had a continual series of very close um, election results. So um, that was kind of one of the less surprising ones to go in 2019, um, and then. Tiverton and Honson on the other end is obviously a complete opposite extreme. It's um, an incredibly safe seat, gigantic, huge majority, um, split opposition. Um, it's in the southwest, but it's a part of the southwest that even at the height of the Lib Dems strength, they never took. Um, it's yeah, a classic conservative safe seat, leave heavily, yeah, fairly leave, um, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, yeah, that swung on a, a pretty big majority, a pretty big swing to the Lib Dems, um, 29.9%, which uh, when I checked the records looked to me to be about the, the 12th largest swing in by election history. <laughs> um, so yeah, not quite, not quite as big as North Shropshire, but still a meaty swing. Can I just Sorry. say it? I think everyone wants me to say. Last time I saw a swing that messed up, it was Wilfred's after after the party. Like that was the last time I saw a swing completely destroyed it, like in this way. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, with today's news, um, sophology does not have a, an equivalent of a, a treehouse. That yeah. <laughs> well, I was just trying to think of a treehouse-based pun. Like, yeah. it was that was my silence there. Um, treehouse tree of horrors, like that's, tree that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I there guess treehouse of horrors. <laughs> there you go. That's the title done. <laughs> yeah, that can be the title of this: the treehouse of horrors. Yeah, the um, Tiverton result is is crazy. 
and but so mm. was North Shropshire. I think I think the, the actual technical term is funny as fuck. It's like, <laughs> would, it, would his hell be better? Like, should I, should I try a second thing? I, I mean, I, what, okay. Which do we think is, maybe perhaps this is a silly question to ask, but which is the more important? And we can take that which way you want, right? So Wakefield, it says something about Labour's health in the so-called Red Wall um, and potential progress there. Tiverton, I mean, what does a swing like that mean? And what's its importance for the long-term um, prospects of the Lib Dems? Uh, and perhaps more importantly, is Tiverton going to be the kind of the result that really shakes Tory MPs rather than Wakefield? I mean, what do we think, Julia? So uh, I think later, like, we better just, like talk with Chris and Sean more specifically. But I, I think, in my view, the more important one, my view as a specialist clown, the more important one <laughs> is uh, Tiverton. Because, and, and like, of all people who saying this, like Dan Hodges was saying this, like, that, that like, Tiverton, it does show the like, and like, I don't expect him, I don't expect like them to like be able to keep a seat like that in an actual election. But like, it does show how detoxified the, the Lib Dems have become. And that's yeah. partly because Keir Starmer, you know, like, because the leader of the opposition is often the leader of the Lib Dems by, you know, by extension, because like, yeah, the Lib Dems just become like a, a, a possible, a viable party that you vote when you want to like give the government a kicking but i think it's really important <laughs> that they now can do that again because they couldn't for for mm. a long while and then in 2017 even you you start seeing like a little bit of that and then it went back in 2019 because it went back following labor but it's it's really important that you have like a, a viable lib dem party that that kind of like really helps them like it really like like helps labor you know in the sense that like now they don't have to do, uh, they don't have to do like super, a, a superbly big amount of work. Yeah. Like they have, they can do less. And that's also like important resource management and such. Yes. Uh, yeah. I think that um, it's less so like about the seat specifically and more about that second dynamic, which I think is quite important. And it was important in like, even in big labor majorities like in 1997, yeah. I, I think Chris is gonna like be like, well, actually, no, it was this and this and this, but like, but like, this is this is like <laughs> my that like to get Wakefield Labor actually like just they just need to like not be in a very bad position mm. because like the swing yeah. necessary like like it was James Johnson I think his name is it, it was that guy who like does the yeah mm. he, who does uh, the the rebel polling and such yeah he Humble. said that like yeah he said that like actually you don't like Labor didn't need to like be doing super well like and yeah. actually like they could have mm -hmm. won the seat and still be sh having like a poor showing overall yes they didn't they, they had a good showing yeah. but like yeah. that in that sense Tiverton is like more important because it shows that like it's not just the like labor is doing about as well as the polling would tell you that they, they were doing it's yeah. also that there's like very like big structural problems in the conservative in certain conservative seats in, in certain like regions where they're not supposed to be having problems in 2019 conservative the conservative party could chase after uh the red wall demographic and really you know mm. smash those messages again and again and again and again to break through that um phenomenon that was it 
was it James Kenningsorum who identified this that the you know yeah. demographically red wall seats should be voting Tory, but and this is the thing that makes them red wall, but they weren't, and so they had to smash, keep smashing these particular messages to break through that, um, and those messages could have potentially been off-putting to a certain kind of conservative voter, but because the Lib Dems weren't. Um, you know, viable in the same way they are now because Corbyn, as you say, wasn't a uh, pleasing leader of the Lib Dems, uh, de facto leader of the Lib Dems for, for potential Tory to Lib Dem swing voters. The, the Tories could kind of chase after those voters without this kind of worrying about the Lib Dems in their rear. But, but now they have this, they're in this sort of bind where Labour is, yeah, as you say, they're not just doing okay, they're, they're, they're pretty much... I don't think anyone's particularly delighted or <laughs> excited, but they are back in business, to be fair, um, in, in the Red Wall. And the Lib Dems seem to be doing well in the South. And, you know, I was just wondering, Chris, what you thought. I mean, are the Lib Dems back in the Southwest in the way they used to be? Or I mean, I, I'm not sure whether I'd say this really tells you much about the Southwest specifically. Yeah. I mean, we've had, we've had three by-elections across this uh, parliament that Lib Dems have won. Um, and they've um and they're all kind of quite safe really quite safe conservative seats um i think it i think it mostly just shows that um at a by-election at least people are willing to pop for them as a as a protest vote um it kind of almost regardless of what kind of seat it is um if there's if if they're going for it i think the stuff that kind of probably speaks it speaks well to both them and Labour, Labour's chances in a way is the strategic voting aspect, first of all, in all types of elections, really, since, since Keir Starmer and Ed Davey became leaders of, the, uh, of their respective parties, you have seen huge amounts of strategic voting amongst people, people who are, both who are Labour and both who are Lib Dem. I mean, Lib Dem's great uh, personal favourite stat is that since 2019, in every by-election that's happened, the Lib Dems have either won or they've lost their deposit. <laughs> like, they, they haven't had any, yeah. any, they haven't had any kind of, <laughs> like, they've come in second or they've had a decent third they've had a it's one or the other <laughs> um, because people are either kind of gathering around them to get the, the conservatives out or they're going oh the Lib Dems don't have a chance here so we'll just uh, and Labour's the party that can kind of beat the Tories so we're going to vote Labour instead so it's been one or the other I think as well this probably just speaks to the kind of changing changing issue agenda we are moving away from um, cultural politics being the kind of main thing because those just desperately want that to be the main thing because that's something they could win on. But understandably, as like inflation um, becomes kind of the main thing, people affecting lives, people start to treat that as a start to treat that as a kind of major issue instead. And so, public services are coming back up in the agenda, things like that. Oh, you know, this is stuff that the Labour Party. It's broadly seen as better on by people. So people are moving towards the Labour Party. Elections are to some extent about which issues are at the front of people's minds. Um, because people rarely think that one party is brilliant at everything. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, kind of Brexit going down the agenda and economic issues coming up 
is really just to Labour's advantage and their allies as well. well apparent allies. Apparent allies, yeah. <laughs> Sean, Sean, what do you make of that? Uh, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think Wakefield's more important than it tells Ooh. us. Ooh. Because if you look at the actual result beyond just it's a Labour game, if you look at, if you do a drill down into the numbers, the majority is comparable to the Labour majority in 2001. And if you look mm -hmm. at the percentage of results of the 2001 election, it was about where the polls are at the moment. Now, obviously, Labour's voter coalition is mm. a lot more inefficient than it was under Tony Blair. So I'm not suggesting that Labour are going to win 400 seats at the next election. They're not. Um, but also, if you look at uh, Wakefield is two seats away from Batley and Spen, where this time last year, Labour won a by-election by 323 votes. And now they're winning a seat which demographically voted to leave by more than Batley and Spen did and is whiter than Batley and Spen by nearly 20 percent yeah i mean i wouldn't I, I don't think i actually said whether i thought either one was important i more important than the other um i don't really have a kind of fixed view on that but i do think this is interesting <laughs> i do think wakefield result is interesting for all the reasons that sean said which mm. is that it basically suggests that the polls are right something that you could see during the Miliband years was that yeah. was that Labour was consistently underperforming what you would expect in local election poll at uh, local elections and by elections based on where they were in the polling. This yeah. this seems to verify that actually they are performing about where you would expect based on where the polls are. Yeah, and this is like important because like you see a lot of that narrative of like, well, the Labour won a bunch of by-elections with Ed Miliband, mm. and then it didn't, but which and it and it went on to lose, and it's like, yeah, but when you look at things, like yeah. when you look at, at the at what mm. was actually happening on the ground, there was evidence that the polling was was like overestimating Labour. Mm. I, I feel like this got like completely forgotten. Yeah. When yeah. people talk about errors in polling, they, they only talk about the, the, the error that happened in 2017. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. that, that, is, that whole thing with like uh, Starmer is Miliband because time is a flat circle and like you're actually not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, Starmer is Zad Miliband, Boris Johnson is David Cameron, and he is socially liberal, and I won't lose my little seat, said Dominic Robb. But like, <laughs> but like, no, actually, no, that's not true. We have evidence yeah. that like, if things continue as they are, you are on court. The thing that everybody says is going to happen probably is going to happen. It might not, but the most likely thing that is, it is that it will happen. Right. And I, you know, I hate to, um, be maybe, I don't know uh, if this is going to be right, uh, whether you're going to agree with me or not, but I think Miliband was up against a more skillful politician in David Cameron than Boris Johnson. I think I think Boris Johnson has a certain kind of um, mythology that's been built up around him by his friends in the media, basically. And if you think about it, his his major achievements are, are beating unpopular, unpopular, very unpopular Labour leaders of the left. Um, sorry, go on, Julia. <laughs> I, I will interrupt you on that. This was not true on the first Ken one. The first what, sorry? The first time he beat Ken. He, uh, Chris, Chris, you, you, you can't yeah. can let me know. Yeah, yeah, Ken his, was yeah, yeah, not okay. massively unpopular. Yeah, that's yeah, no, His approval ratings were, were, were relatively decent. It, it, yeah, but it, it, like the first time he won because Ken was Labour. The yeah, second time yeah. he won because Labour was Ken. 
Yes. That's yes, a nice that's, way of putting it. <laughs> that's basically the way that you, it's the best way of um, talking about those two results. Yes. You know, just to go back to what Sean was saying about drilling into the numbers and how, you know, the, the coalition isn't as efficient now as it used to be. I mean, I wonder, I mean, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, Chris, but my understanding is that generally speaking, in a first-past-the-post system, if, if you're doing better, your vote tends to just become more efficient anyway. And I, and I wonder to what extent, you know, if Labour go, do end up holding well, you know, our, our, our kind of understanding of, of what might happen, you know, all these sort of swingometers that people play around with based upon the coalition from, the, uh, from 2019. We're, I mean, we're, are we underpricing the possibility that actually... Labour's coalition might be becoming more efficient and the kind of extreme tactical voting um, in Tiverton and Honiton and Wakefield is a sign of that. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, one thing about tactical voting is it makes you more efficient. Yeah. That, that was essentially part of why New Labour had such a, an incredibly efficient vote distribution was because that, that was an era of incredibly strong strategic voting between both, both Labour and Dems. Lib Dems lost votes, not, not many, but they lost some votes in 1997 and they doubled their seats because <laughs> of strategic voting. Results like that are, are incredibly telling about the way in which the two kind of played off one another. When we're talking about efficiency in votes, what we're essentially meaning is that in first past the post, it's better to win seats by a, to kind of perform so that you're winning kind of lots of seats by a small margin. And then when you're losing, you're losing really big than it is to you know, just increase your vote everywhere. So strategic voting really helps with the efficiency of your vote because it, 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 strategic voting very literally is people kind of going, well, Labour don't have a chance here, so therefore I'm going to vote for someone else and Labour's vote collapsing in those areas, which is what happened to Tim Monson and Labour, you know, Labour lost its deposit. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. And then, yeah, it's very efficient in the sense that they then one Wakefield. So yeah, strategic voting definitely make, makes things more efficient. And it's also the case that, and Labour as well, has been gaining a little bit more in the red wall relative to other areas from mm. what we can make out in polling and so on. But we'll, we'll see what the future brings. <laughs> I mean, mm. both you and Sean might have, um, and, and Julie, I don't know if you're across numbers, but you might have an idea of whether... Labour's advances in the polls are more pronounced in certain areas? Um, so something you can see, Chris Curtis from Opinion has been kind of repeatedly making this point, is that Labour has been gaining since 2019 more amongst Leave voters than amongst Remain voters. And obviously, Red Wall areas and places like that are... are are more leave, and that's part of why they swung so heavily in 2019. It's also the case that that's probably partially because Labour had already got a pretty strong vote in the Remain areas, so there wasn't so much vote to gain. Yeah. Part of the reason why the Conservatives have a quite efficient vote right now is because the leave vote is actually it's more efficiently distributed than the Remain vote. 
around the country because um, it tends to remain vote tends to stack up in urban areas well if, if if you look at wakefield the local government area rather than wakefield the constituencies there's three constituencies in wakefield districts mm. emsworth normanton pontefract and castleford and wakefield and i believe now simon lightwood in wakefield has mathematically i've just got the numbers up in front of me on wikipedia simon lightwood has a larger numerical majority than yvette cooper and john trickett doing the other two seats combined interesting um, okay and this is uh kind of i think related to something that a few people have said which is that actually theresa may did a lot of the legwork in kind of bringing down the red wall because mm. i think there's only something like five seats that labor didn't win in 2017 of the seats they lost in 2019 to the Tories. I think there's only mm -hmm. five seats that they held in 2015 as well, where the Tories put on more votes in 2019 than they did in 2017. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there was a, you could see then that there were kind of swings to the Conservatives in rural and small town northern areas, which is what essentially we ended up calling the Red Wall. <laughs> People of this podcast has praise now. David mm. Cameron, Theresa May. You know. <laughs> and then you guys and then you guys get mad because like the hard left is like this is a bunch of stories, you know. You earn it. <laughs> you know, you've earned it. Let's let, let's turn away from um the Tories just for a moment, because I feel like we've been building up to Julia talking about Starmer when you you mentioned earlier that we we're going to, we should come back to this. We let rip. Uh, yeah, no, but like, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about, you know, never before has Labour like been led by a man who looks so strongly like the before man in an impotence ad. Like, it's just <laughs> incredible. Like, I think it's very interesting. I know I said the thing about Starmer being, what if Labour had no leader? What 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 if we just had like a boy that wasn't a negative? Because like, up like I think basically Tony Blair. I don't know how they measure these things in in like Harold Wilson's time. I certainly don't know how they did it in athletes. Yeah. But until Tony Blair about about it, like Labour's leaders have been consistently drags on its vote. Keir Starmer's great great merit is that like he's not a drag. He's not, he's like, I think he, he, his approvals flutter, flutter between zero and minus five, which is like, I mm -hmm. think it's basically like, if you come up to people and say, a politician, like you, you might get like that result. Yeah. I, you know, I think primarily, you know, these results have been about inflation. And like, uh, maybe mm -hmm. this is colored, maybe this is colored by my worldview of like as somebody who like grew up in a country where like inflation is a big problem governments like do not tend to like resist high like you can withstand yeah. pretty much everything but you can't withstand high inflation yeah because mm. because it, it gets into people's sense of fairness yeah you know because like even if it, wages are stagnant in your life you're going to get a promotion so like you're not going to feel like the wages are stagnant mm -hmm because mm. you, you you got moved up so now you're making like a little bit more so like there is a sense of fairness yes. if inflation there's a sense that like there is no control there's no fairness you know like i can't get i can't get paid more 
And also, like, the way that this government has gone about it, the Tories actually have, like, it's interesting that Chris said, oh, the, the issues of the economy. The, the Tories actually have, like, a card, you know, available to them, which is the, if it's hurting, it's working card. Mm. You know, but because this Tory leader is, like, so inadequate to do this, this, this speech, like, yeah. Boris Johnson cannot do the, if it's hurting, it's working speech like Cameron. you cannot, Cameron you cannot come up to people and say listen mm. this is going to be tough for two years and yeah. by the end of it we're going to have zero inflation and yeah. we're going to get back to things this is something that jeremy hunt can do like could yeah. he do well i don't know but he could do it sajid javid could do it maybe rishi sunak i have no faith in rishi sunak could do anything ever but <laughs> maybe he could but like boris johnson you know he's his personality just isn't made for that he just he just can't use what is technically like the greatest like the greatest device that the Tories can use when they're when they catch like a bad economic situation which is going yeah this is going to be tough it's going to be horrible but we're going to get through this because you know we need to we need to do the hard thing now this primarily i think all the bad results are about that more so than more so i think uh, i think chris was the, the one who agreed with me that like people misunderstand party gate mm. yeah. people think that party gate is bad because it shows that boris is a liar but i think that party gate is bad because it's like oh i'm here and i'm having to pay you know five pounds for for butter and meanwhile boris johnson is party it, mm. it, it taps into a thing of like the current problem is the old problem as well. It taps into that image of like, the current problem is here and people are not solving it. Mm. So, and this is why beer gave, you know, for all my jokes, doesn't work. Yeah. Because like, Keir Starmer having a beer is not getting in the way of you paying for your bills. You know, it's just, it's just goofy. It's just dorky. At most yeah. is more, at most is hypocritical. Mm. So, it, yeah. that that would be like the big like starmer take uh don't i don't believe anyone that says like this shows that your starmer is making massive progress it shows that he's not a drag yeah. basically and like yeah that's better than most labor leaders so far but like not that good yeah and you know i i mean i wanted to ask about this you know if you were advising keir starmer and you were doing some horizon scanning you know, clearly, you're, you know, inflation is driving the current dynamic. Um, you know, what, what, what should Starmer be doing or thinking about if a, the Tories replace Johnson and they replace him with someone who can do the, if it's hurting, it's working spiel? And what should they do if Johnson just weathers the inflation, manages to get through winter, we get to summer next year and people are feeling a bit more optimistic and upbeat about the economy what i would do yeah how, how would you what would you be saying what was, what, was, what would be your advice be i mean the the thing to do like when when you are in this situation is to like have like a a, 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 a like my advice to cure summer in any situation would be sit down in a room seriously sit down go in that room stay in that room for 24 hours come up to me when you have three things like on a list, like short sentences of what you want to have accomplished by the end of like a Keir Starmer government, hmm. you know? It, it, just that sense of direction, he doesn't have it. it. It's like, 
they were like briefing the the financial times that they wanted to cut they wanted to drop the the tuition fees pledge now you can have your opinions about it you yeah. can say that the tuition fees pledge is bad or good i will say something the impression that i get from reading that is that Keir Starmer was against tuition fees because he thought it was the labor thing to do and now he's pro having the tuition fees because he thinks it's the prime prime ministerial thing to do mm. And that that's sort of like the you know lack of orientation lack of political orientation shows true in everything that he's doing so my advice would just be that sit down in that room come up with those three things they don't have to be super detailed they don't have to be like they, they just have to be a direction of government because that's what everybody else that wins election has yeah and that's what he doesn't i mean I, I mean, I, I completely agree. And the, the issue that I bang the drum on and go on about incessantly and probably annoy people about is EU relations, right? I don't think it's possible to say what you want the country to look like at the end of this decade, at the end of your government, without having a notion of what you want relations between this country and the EU to look like both in terms of and whether you think we should be out of the single market whether you think we should be in the single market both have prof profound implications for policy for revenue that you can generate mm. to spend on a welfare state the the i think labor people seem to think that they can go into government and 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 spend money and rebuild the welfare state and 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 undo austerity and invest and improve growth without even thinking about our trade relationship with Europe. I mean, I mean, it's absolutely mm. extraordinary when the, the 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 political economy of all European democracies, and therefore your policy, your economic policies, and your economic strategy flow downstream from your relationship to the single market. And the second one is geopolitical strategy. How are you going to orientate yourself in terms of the potential of European strategic autonomy, particularly if the United States keeps going the way it's going, and Putin doesn't fall and Russia remains um, in a sort of new Cold War with Europe and high gas prices are here to stay and the project for this continent becomes basically building up energy capacity. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't think, and I, I understand that they don't want to talk about this out loud. I understand they don't want mm. to foreground this, but I don't get the sense that anyone really has an opinion Either way, they just don't want to talk about it. They just don't. They just don't. I, I honestly associate with it. I think I think you're going in in a bit too deep. Like I I I think it's like baser than that. You know what I mean? It's like. What do you mean? I think the like thinking about how you want your. It's like it's well. I'll just use Boris. I don't have the impression that he wants. Uh, that he knows what he wants britain to look like outside of the european union i think that he has like a base goal that britain should be outside the european union so boris mm. johnson might be prime minister no but i i but this is my I, problem i, I, I don't, don't want labor to govern like that. boris johnson i don't no, but I, like that's what i'm saying like like i don't think i don't think keir starmer has a base goal i don't think he even has the base goal of like this is what i mean i agree keir mm. starmer should be prime minister i don't i don't even feel that you know like i feel like I think oh, he wants to be prime minister. I think that I, is. I honestly like sometimes have the impression that he wants to be prime minister because people thought that he would be good at it. Yeah. Like you know, like that, which you know, that was David Cameron's sin. But like, but I, but I never bought that line about 
David Cameron. I've always thought that he always had like a very like sharp project for Bridgman, which is like, there is no welfare state. Everybody's running a startup for like gay marriage. And it's like, that's it. Like that's, like, I'm gay, I can say that. But like, you know, like that's like his, his mind was that, that sort of like liberal, very, very small state radical Tory. And then he, he sort of like did a pastiche of a politician going, oh, I just want to do it because I think he'll be a good manager. Keir Starmer is not doing it as a pastiche. He's doing it because he thinks he's going to be a good manager. Mm. You know, I don't want to be too, too hard on him because like I did, I did see that little video where he was like, you guys went so well. And I went, oh. <laughs> I went ah. But, but you see, this is the, this is the great, this is for, for me, this is the sort of the, the difficult thing to piece together about, about Keir Starmer. In, in so many ways, the elements are there or should be there. You know, he has, he has a, a kind of story of social mobility. His, he has, um, he can do mm. the, I play five a side with my mates on the weekend and drink beer and have photos of that. God, and, he and can drink beer. And, and it's genuinely authentic. He is, he is that guy. He actually is that guy. Um, he, you know, he was a prosecutor and a human rights lawyer. He should be able, a, 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 a better, and I think maybe at the end of the day, that's it. A, a good politician would make full, take full advantage of those yeah. different faces and those different hats. And in terms of a political project, the other thing I find just odd about it is his past political career, um, you know, working as a human rights lawyer, working on uh, death penalty removal and reforming the police in Northern Ireland. I mean, he, he, he presumably has some thoughts about the state and what the state mm. should be doing. And the legit, but but none of this seems to be apparent at all. I mean, it, it, I mean, I just find it. Really you know what it is? Most people have political opinions. Most normal people have political opinions. Most no normal people are not political. Yeah. Keir Starmer is a normal person. Mm -hmm. He he has political opinions. You know, and those opinions are primarily guided by like, what is the labory thing to do? He does not have. He's not political. Mm -hmm. He's not a guy who knows how to do the nitty. Do you want to like a comparison point? Mick Lynch is political because he's a, he because he 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 does the the, the, the nitty gritty of political poli politics, mm -hmm. which is negotiation, which is coalition building, which is like campaigning. is 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 very very annoying, very very difficult. It requires you to have a single focus in mind, which is like what is your what is your goal. What, what do you want? Is it better pay conditions to, mm. to your union members? Yeah. Then that's what you're going to do when you're going to do really weird negotiations to do it. You're going to build coalitions that might mm. include people that you find unsavory, but you're going to do it. I, I don't mean this like in a way like Mick Lynch is the good one and Keir no, Starmer no. is about, I mean this, I mean this in, no, a, in a comparison sense, yeah. like somebody who's very political yeah, and is in, no. in the public eye right now. To, to tell you who I think makes a really interesting comparison as well actually is um, Ed Davey. Um, mm. Ed, Ed Davey and Keir Starmer are like really similar in a lot of ways. Ed Davey is also a very boring man. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't do How that. How dare you? How Come dare on. you? I, I've never been so excited as I was watching him like bring down that little wall. Well, th th honestly, that, that, that's part. That, but that's Chris. part of it. Like Ed, Ed Davey is a boring man, but he knows when he, he knows he knows he can do cringe. He, he he's very happy to do cringe because he's he's been within. 
If you've been within the Lib Dems for decades, you know that's what the Lib Dems do. They do cringe because that's how you get attention. Um, so, <laughs> uh, and I think part of this is just that it, I, I, I kind of feel like Kistan is like probably part of that um, kind of very kind of typical tendency to, of people who are outside politics but are kind of interested to go, well, I don't want, like, uh, uh, I don't like when politicians start, like, talking about their fast lives. It's a bit, it, you know, a bit cringe and disgusting. It? It's like, no, you need yeah. to do that stuff. You need to build narratives. Like, yeah. and, and yeah. Ed Davey is someone who, he hasn't gone out there and, like, you know, I, I can't name really very many lived in policies that I can't tell you what would be Lib Dems kind of main things if they went into a, like a confidence and supply deal right now. Like what, yeah. what would be like the four things that they would but what I can tell you that like they've got some very simple narratives. Like one of them is we're coming up in the blue wall. We want the cons- we want the conservatives out because we think Boris Johnson is a crook. You can kind of just list a kind of few things like this, and a couple of things about um, Ed Davies' background. He talks about the fact that you know he he had a history as a carer as much as he can. That's not like the, an issue that kind of um, that is right at the top of the political agenda. Affects a lot of people, but it's something that kind of immediately gives people sympathy and you know gives people a sense of who he is as a person like i don't think that's kind of fundamentally where i feel like stuff is going wrong he doesn't need to have like a hundred he doesn't need to have like loads of policies laid out in detail or anything like that just these narrative you, you think back to like successful opposition leaders who've become prime minister you know they've all had kind of you know people make fun of david cameron for hoodie hug, stuff and <laughs> going to the Arctic and uh, with a bunch of huskies to kind of highlight the fact that but that stuff sticks in the mind, you know, similar with Tony Blair and things like um, tougher crime, tougher causes crime, education, education, education. People can quote, people who are interested in politics can still quote this stuff verbatim, despite the fact that it was decades ago. Brexit means Brexit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it sticks in the memory and, and fundamentally that's what Labour needs. It needs some slogans it needs some it needs some kind of flashy slightly cringe events to kind of tell you what they're about <laughs> and there's not really any of that happening they missed the chance they missed the chance to have Keir Starmer like with the with the glass that says red wall and then like he just downs the pine like looking straight he gets like Harry Cole of the sun in there and he just find look stares straight in the the eye and goes look 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 you know he did he the did chance. In, in Wakefield yesterday morning, he was given a lemon by a shopkeeper because apparently Gura Keirstar was a lemon. And I think he, he missed a chance to um, do something with that. I do know what yeah. happens to that lemon, but I can't repeat it on the podcast. I, I would make lemonade out of it, surely. Um, <laughs> I'll be like, yeah. free lemon in this economy? Thank you. <laughs> Or, you know, get a, get a lemon, stick a picture of Boris Johnson on it and say, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Right? <laughs> We've, uh, we, so, yeah, I think, I think to, like, summarise where, where we are, I think, I think we're basically all, all in agreement here, which is that I think we all basically think Labour could win, and a lot of it would be to mm. do with the prevailing um, circumstances, and a lot of it would be to do with Labour as a brand and as Julia is kind of her kind of idea is that this kind of grand experiment in what if Labour didn't have a have a leader 
but I think the kind of the concern is, and the kind of thing that we're all sort of talking about, and it's sort of underpinning everything we're saying is, well, what if Starmer did win? What next? Uh, and does it matter that he, you know, has political opinions but isn't political? And what would 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 that Labour government have direction? And how would it weather, you know, what could be a very very difficult few years? You know, but yeah. Anyway, that, enough of Labour for a moment. We asked how you would advise Boris Johnson. That's sorry, Keir Starmer. Let's turn it around. Sean, what would be your advice to Boris Johnson? Should he uh, have an election this autumn? <laughs> yes, I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what to do because he's clearly surrounded himself by people who think that doubling down this culture war nonsense is a brilliant way to go. And it's just not. Nothing, nothing in polling suggests that this is a winning issue for the Tories. On a related note, I'm just waiting for the first member of the 2019 intake to uh, call it Wokefield. <laughs> I'm really, I, the Brexit 2019 culture war issue playbook is not going to work again. Mm. And I think the damage, in the same way that by the time Corbyn kind of changed his tack on Brexit to be, oh, well, Labour's position is fuzzy and then Labour's position is we're not going to talk about it and then Labour's position is we are actually in favour of a second referendum. The damage had been done and I think for those voters who in the South who the Tories could win back if um, Boris was actually the social liberal that some people seem to insist that he actually is, um, I think the damage has been done so I'm really not sure what Boris can do here. Other than calling the lecturing, I think it'd be very funny. <laughs> what do you reckon, Julia? Uh, my advice, Boris Johnson. My advice is: you've got a face for Hollywood, baby. You're wasting away here. Like, <laughs> get 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 back in. How, how have I got news for you? Like, like seriously, yeah. seriously. Wait, lie low for a year. Get back. Like, we're all gonna be watching it. You know, like. We're all gonna watch that episode. Like, like that's the thing. That's the thing about that Sean said. My main advice would be, you know, there voters like voters are like much easier to understand than whatever like culture worry like spectator brain people like you've been you've been editor of the spectator these people are not smart you know this you used to <laughs> you used to be their boss you know. <laughs> People are not thinking about, about that. It's like much simpler than that. It is inflation. It's yeah. it's just that. So like either show uh, either show it like how you're gonna help or do the or do the speech about how if it's working hurting is working, like, you know, I don't know, maybe like get Carrie to teach you to pretend how to do an uh, an emotion to like connect with someone else some someone around you must have emotions or something like empathy but like you know that would be my advice do do that do that bit do the uh do this bit or just just give up because like it's not gonna work or there's a there's a third one which i think is very funny which is like I'm not trapped in here uh, with you. You're trapped in here with me. Just like intentionally start to like thank the Tory party. 
Like, just like, I, I don't care anymore. I'm just going to have fun. Just like build like a bigger tree house. <laughs> you know? that, would, that would be at least something that would be like fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause like you, you could have fun because right now he must be suffering, which is very funny to me, but like not to him. When that happens, um, what do you reckon the version of the text that that guy on Newsnight got from the Tory cabinet minister saying, fuck knows, it's like the living daylights in here, I'm past caring, looks like. <laughs> that was so good. That iconic text, that is the best. That was so good. Like every day is that to me. That, but we are on to the kind of, um, we are just onto the banter stage of a Tory government, aren't we? I mean, it, it, it is just, it is a bit like that, isn't it? It's I, just. I will say it, they have a pretty big majority. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it, 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 like even in very bad circumstances, which this this government is, I still think that if there's a, a fairly likely chance that they, they could weather this, yeah, if they could just like get it get it together and and do things that they, they could like because just on the back of that strength. Yeah. But I don't. Maybe Chris has an, another opinion about this. But like, but but I, I I do think that it's very hard to turn around like majority that big in like one term. Yeah. Yeah, it's not gonna happen while people believe that like, well, if Boris Johnson isn't a winner, how come he slept with my wife? You know, like if, as long as like that <laughs> mindset. Who are you talking like, about, Julia? It's like, you know, as long as that mindset is like, just so it's clear, that was a joke. As far as I know, our prime minister never had sex. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> The, the thing that shocks me about, about this government is that they, despite having an 80 seat, well, less than 80 seat now, majority, yeah. they cannot get their legislative agenda passed and they don't seem to know what they want to do mm. other than like pass a load of evil shit like the immigration bill and the elections bill. Yeah. Theresa May, despite the that, Bill of Rights bill. And the Bill of Rights. Um, the, the Bill of Taking Rights Away bill. The Rights um, Removal bill as um, some people are saying. Yep. I hear that's what they're saying on the streets. Um, yep. But Theresa May knew what she wanted to do. She wanted to pass a Brexit deal. And she couldn't, she couldn't do that in the same way Boris can't seem to do anything right now. But at least she knew what she wanted to do. She had a vision for the country. I would, I would say that like, it's, it's actually more interesting than that. When she got stuck in that Brexit deal uh, phase, she had lost trajectory. But the trajectory that she had before that was of a, of a like a high, it was what, what Boris began talking about and then dropped it, which was like the high wage, low immigration uh, country, basically that. So like, you know, big on issues of like, big on issues of like nationality, et cetera. And, and also like, what, what I'm, not, I'm not saying this like for a reappraisal of Theresa May, a human being who has caused me personally a lot of pain, but like, yeah. I actually think that like Theresa May had like these sops to like liberal agenda. She was the one who proposed the jury reform, which started this whole thing. But mm. she also, she was also the one who said, you know, we could, the burning justices, I think was the sentence that she used, but she talked about like, she, she specifically talked about like racism. And even as home secretary, she actually did like want, did like, went into like looked into how racism operated in the police so like yeah yeah you know i'm but, not saying this again not trying to reappraise theresa may but i think that like what sean mentioned is that when she took over she had like an ideology she had like a vision for a country which is like 
a country that like takes care of its citizens and it's like very very hostile to immigration and sort of like it's sort of like an like a isolated island of like utopic society like sort of like that, that that's overly simplistic but like that's the sense i got national community you know yeah 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 everybody going to the to the margaret thatcher community center to like <laughs> put, put those little kids in the barge and push them far away yeah you know well there, there is a strand of conservatism that is more than happy to brutalize um, immigrants and 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 people convicted of criminal offenses but it's like you know gay people should be able to marry yeah, and that's just, yeah. yeah and 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 so there is this sort of intermingling of authoritarian views and what are kind of in a comparative global perspective and historical perspective you know relatively liberal attitudes i mean Sorry, I feel like I interrupted you. But, 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 no, but that's my point about Sean is that, like, you know, uh, I the the Boris Johnson government does have an underlying project. The problem is that that underlying project is Boris Johnson is prime minister. You know, no. so so the high wage thing they got it and toss it away. The the green stuff that they they were doing that I actually do think comes naturally to Boris. They to, they got it and toss it away. And the reason, and now they're just, and then Sean said, now they just throw, they're just throwing like evil stuff. Like Stephen Bush calls it like vice signaling. Yeah, vice signaling. Yeah, uh, great term. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and the thing about like vice signaling, the reason why they're doing this is because they're governing for like about what two hundred Tory MPs who can't change their minds. Yeah. Because if those Tory MPs change their minds, then Boris Johnson is no longer prime minister. Yeah. So that mm-hmm. it, 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 it does come down to the thing that I criticized Keir Starmer for is that like politics is very, very hard. So you have to have an underlying objective behind it. And also that objective can't just be self-perpetuation because that's how you end up with, with, a, with a government this dysfunctional who can't pass anything. If David Cameron had a majority that big, like honestly, the NHS would not exist. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. It would be NHS in name only, and it would be a startup. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You, you would, the, the Uber NHS thing. Yeah. 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 You, you always need to compromise with your electorate, ultimately. Um, but, but the problem with not having a, one of the big problems with not having a vision of what it is that you want to do in power, if, 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 you, if all you want to do is essentially get into power, then you you don't have a steer of what it is that you feel like you can compromise on. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, you labor. He has a stench of like a of a real governor that that's mm. like trying to stay on power because otherwise he's gonna go to prison. Yeah. You know, like he has that that stench. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like that government that like that like there's nothing there but the, the 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 will of like not being put to prison for like a really stupid corruption crime. <laughs> that's gonna happen to him. Yeah. You know, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, mm. our prime minister has never committed a crime. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, yeah. a fine is not but, a conviction. But it's, okay. yeah. but it's that vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, it kind of gets back to what you were saying before. Like, like Cameron really wanted to be prime minister. He, yeah. had a, he had an idea of what he wanted to do when he got there. 2019, the Conservatives won a majority on the basis of we're going to get Brexit done and 
Jeremy Corbyn is a poo-poo head. And, yeah, no, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, and, and then everything will be great. Uh, uh, and then basically both those issues are dealt with yeah. in the first three months of your term. Yeah. And then the question obviously becomes, what next? Like, they didn't really have a vision beyond that. Um, yeah, and frankly, you know, it wouldn't, this wouldn't, that, get Brexit done, and we, and by the way, isn't Jeremy Corbyn awful, wouldn't yeah. have been the worst platform if basically Brexit had some content behind, as in yeah, had a clear exactly. notion of what they wanted to do with it. What what next? You know, keeping Boris Johnson in power. And mm. that isn't a... The, and I don't know, maybe in some ways Keir Starmer and, uh, and Johnson are uh, kind of weird sort of mirrors of each other in a way, if we're going to take... Um, Julia's kind of view of, of Starmer is sort of yeah, yeah. not really just wanting to be prime minister, not really having a project. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, being editor of the spectator is essentially being a hot take merchant. And that's essentially what, uh, <laughs> that, that's essentially what Boris Johnson has always been. It's been so yeah, li- literally just like, uh, what, what do you think about this? Let me sit in a room for two hours and I'll come up with an article for you and then I'll Buddy, probably never, never think about it again. Implying <laughs> that what it, Boris Johnson could do a deadline. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I think not. Well, it's, two, it's like, two hours uh, after a lot of, yeah, after a lot of having and having and missing several deadlines. Yeah, yeah he's not someone who has a, and, and that's what Cummings gave him was yeah, Some, someone who has someone. So part of me has been thinking, like, does Keir Starmer need a Dominic Cummings? <laughs> yeah, yeah um, maybe. But, they, but, but that's the thing. Like, like this is so interesting. So the problem with Dominic Cummings' roles, which is the mm. same problem with like the Bolsonaro people who said, but we can't control him. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, 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 no. The moment that person gets gets like gets to be in power then that person is going to be in control. Mm-hmm. And I have the impression that Keir Starmer wants a Dominic Cummins, but he doesn't realize that the, the moment that he like sits down and he is in power, like he's not going to want to do things. Like he, it's going to be different. If, mm. Like power cannot be contained by like that puppeteer thing. That was a thing that Alistair Campbell made up in his diaries. Like, yeah. you know, it's not real, yeah. you know? You can never control these people. You can never control these people. Like, and I think there is a desire in Keir Starmer, you know, to have like that guy. Oh, and I'll just you just tell me what you do and yeah. I'll do it. Yeah, well. Bengali will tell me what to do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that but that guy can't. But that doesn't exist. That's not something yeah, that you yeah. can do because it, it, you you're just gonna run into something, or some. Or I'm sorry to tell you, the Murdoch press is gonna find out something about this person that you don't want it to be found, and then that person will have to go. Yeah, yeah. Cummings is kind of a repeat of the Steve Hilton problem as well. Of like, mm. you you get on someone to have ideology, but like the person they question is nuts because like that, <laughs> um, and they're going to be a problem within them themselves. Um, so uh, fundamentally, you do need someone to steer things at the top. Yeah, mm. yeah. and it you can't you can't give that role to someone else. You know, I mean, ju- just to go back to, you know, if we imagine we're advising Boris Johnson, I think, I think it's right to say that, you know, and surely, I mean, Partygate is obviously, I don't, I think it's, I think James Johnson um, points this out that, you know, this, Johnson's image is just wrecked. You know, he's mm. just, he's toxic. But I, I suspect 
um, inflation, as Julia says, is is and, and the cost of living is making all of these issues more acute. And pe- I mean, if if if, it were good, if these were good times, if people were happy, if people were prosperous, then you know maybe maybe the situation would be different. So you know, how does he tackle inflation? Well, mm. I mean, this is the this is the thing. I don't I, I, I do not hear any kind of conversation about what. I mean, we had the um, windfall tax, right, uh, from Labour mm. and the Conservatives. But, but beyond that, I mean, I mean, I mean, what, what, what? You know, <laughs> and, and and the things that could be done, I, I, I just don't think the um, Conservative Parliamentary Party would 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 stomach or or accept uh, ever. You know, you know, things like because the, fundamentally, it's not a it's not a wage spiral, is it? It's actually driven by by supply. By supply. So mm. you need. So basically, I. I mean, may, I'm not any, a, a, an economist, but you can't just say to people, restrain your wages. It probably means more intense state and state subsidisation of parts of the economy, right? To, and and, and b- b- borrowing. Well, yeah. I mean, I but, think the I think the conservatives do have an idea of what they want to do on inflation. Like Stephen Bush has been basically saying that they have a vision. It is basically you have to take the pain of this but as julia says they julia says that's hurt by the fact that you have a prime minister who could never say that yes absolutely um but it's also no solution even if we did take a a, 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 mm. even if well i think that like eventually it's a solution in the sense that like you know eventually inflation like this level like this high level of inflation i don't like I'm not an economist, but like I don't think this a level this high of inflation would continue in perpetuity. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Like, so you're saying now, I, 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 I'm not an economist either, but like from what I understand from talking to people who know a little bit about this, the expectation is that it will write itself eventually. Um, the, the the Bank of England projections actually do suggest that inflation will be broadly coming down throughout 2024. Um, so next year will be hard. But 2024 will be coming down again. Next year will be hard, and the year mm. after that will be harder still. Yes. Yeah, well, well, yeah. So I, I do kind of wonder in terms of like how the Conservatives, kind of, if they can win the election, election it might just, it, like one possible path is possibly that it just, they if they can keep the train on the road, if they can keep things on the road just like long enough. Yeah. Like they get to twenty twenty four, you hold an election right at the end of that year, yeah. Um, and um, possibly they managed to just about get away, get away with scraping something. Like that. They could scrape it. They could scrape it. Yeah. That's the thing. You do have to level with people. You do have mm. to come up to people and say, uh, yeah, yeah. "Yeah, you're gonna have to eat it." Yeah. Yeah. You, you yeah. know. It, it, um, Mm-hmm. What, what was the big the big like speech like the lady is not returning you yeah. know like it was basically that it was like yeah guess what it fucking sucks and you guys are gonna have to eat it you know like yeah more recently we're all in it together that was basically the whole point of that you're you're gonna have to eat it but... you know, isn't it a bit hard isn't it harder for the conservative party of 2022 to you know, have 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 give sent that message to the country through the 2010s, and then at the end of the 2010s, turn around and say, you know, look, look at the country; it's an absolute state. We're gonna do something what? about it. But that's gonna, what they keep feel... doing. And then and then suddenly turn around and go, oh no, actually, you've got to you've got to eat it. I mean, I under, I mean, 
you know, I, I, I accept that like, I've, you can, you could get away with that potentially, but it, I can see why psychologically it might be a difficult kind I, of I, about yeah. to do. I, I think it is trickier than it was in 2010, just yeah. as well, just because of the fact that this is now a 12 year old government. So in yeah. 20, 2010, they could go, you have to eat it. And pss, by the way, that's the fault of the Labour Party. It's Labour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, 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 yeah. Some of them are still trying to do that's the fault of the Labour Party, which is absurd. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You can't you can't do that anymore. And like as much as Boris Johnson might like to present himself as like leading a new government, at the very least he's not leading a government he's not leading a change that where you can vote against the the other enemy. Um, also, like, even if this was a relatively new government, like, I, I do feel, I do feel that like this level of high inflation would be messing them up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree yeah, like be, because like I'm sorry, you guys are just not built for this. Like, <laughs> it's just like you go in the <laughs> you go in the supermarket and there's like high inflation. You guys, what's happening? It's like yeah, this is yeah. Welcome uh, and, to my twenties. And, uh, and ultimately, in terms of external things, in terms of external things, at least like. The economy and um, election results have a very strong um, yeah. correlation. Yeah. The UK has actually particularly strong um, economic voting patterns. It's a country that has, compared to other countries, has had a history of being particularly likely to turn on on the state on economic performance. And and also like, but I, it's so interesting, like because like Stephen like Stephen Bush was talking about this. This is he's, so obviously. He's, our, he's the fifth. He's the fifth um, uh, guest, isn't he? He's uh, the fifth he's not. He's here. like he's, he's like presenter. the holy. He's like the holy ghost. <laughs> he's the holy yeah. ghost. <laughs> 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 yeah. No, but like, but like he was talking us. about this about how how like it's so ob- like everywhere you look in the world, the governments are struggling with high inflation. Like this is the thing. Like yeah. governments have low approval ratings. Yeah. They're struggling yeah. with this things stick like you know it's harder to pass other like measures relating to culture like chris says so like it it is so bad it is so connected to that that i find it like i find it so bizarre that like we're having these conversations about oh maybe it's because of brexit maybe they were too nice to trans maybe like (laughs) or maybe it's the thing yeah. that is happening everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sean, you know, what, what what do you think? I just, I I think there is potential for the Labour Party to somehow make hay in the same way that um, the Tory Party have, despite the fact that it was Lehman Brothers banks giving those mm. people in America who couldn't afford <clears throat> mortgages. Yeah. That, that triggered the global financial crisis, and actually, Gordon Brown did save the world in 2008. <laughs> um, yeah. Somehow, the Tory Party managed to turn that global financial crisis caused by American banks into Labour ran out of money, mm. and that's something that has even even now is still shaping internal Labour Party discourse because there are some people who think that the Labour Party still needs to be restrained economically because people don't trust the Labour Party with money. I think there is certainly an opportunity, I'm not quite sure how, for Keir Starmer and Rachel Reeves to spin this into this is the cost of the Tories, inflation is the cost of the Tories, Labour would do better. And therefore we we shouldn't um, scrap tuition Mm. fees. Yes, and therefore we should not (laughs) scrap tuition fees. (laughs) 
low and actually Lamal. That's all I want to say. <laughs> yeah. Like, like concurring with Sean, low and also Lamal. Mm. The Labour Party by-election winning machine is back, baby. Um, bring on the supposed Reading West by-election that may well happen. <laughs> oh, that's going to be fun. That's yeah. Gonna be fun. You, you know, you know what, you know what I'm sad. Like uh, when when Chris was talking, I should have said like like when you guys asked like what advice to give Boris Johnson, I should have said you know focus on the issues of free speech and <laughs> <laughs> academic freedom. Thing. Come on. The best uh, yeah. <laughs> could do now is find a machine that stops backbenchers from dying and therefore causing a by-election. <laughs> oh, oh, or watching, oh. or or like just like buying like every like back Tory backbencher like yeah. a machine like a, a, a chastity belt. <laughs> put, like, put like a, put like oh, a secondary oh. school content filter on the internet of yeah. every oh, single oh, Tory MP. Also, also very trying persuading them to stop going looking for other jobs, which apparently a few of them yeah. are doing. Oh, like, really? Going ideas about oh maybe I'll go work for the UN. It is impressive um. how the Tory party are basically speedrunning sort of the Jeremy Corbyn leadership between 2016 and the 2017 election. <laughs> <laughs> because, because, you know, Labour had Tristram Hunt decided to go and spend more time with pottery and Jamie Reid decided to go and spend more time with nuclear power plants. Yeah. You know what Boris should do? He should, like, get cooped and, like, not leave. Just, like, not get the hint. Just go, like, no, I don't agree because I, I want a mandate from the leadership. So I'm not, like, I'm not going to go, go until, like, there's another leadership election. It's just, and it's just like Jeremy Hunt going like, yeah, my penis is huge. Like, this is for, for everyone who remembers the Owen Smith era. If the Tory party doesn't Not elect a new leader in 15 <laughs> minutes, Boris Johnson is legally allowed to stay on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we, <laughs> we've got to the... Um, We've got to the imagining um, Jeremy Hunt's genitals stage of the chat, so let's. Yeah. I think that's a good place to leave it. That that'll um, be ne that that's next time's episode. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. just the entire episode. <laughs> I should just say before we go, thank you so much, Chris, for uh, for joining us. It's an um, absolute pleasure. Where can people find you? Um, I, I'm on Twitter, um, at CJ Terry, and um, also, as you mentioned in my intro, I have a podcast, the Bellabot podcast, which is uh, less funny than this. Less funny? Do you mean, like, more professional? <laughs> Not sure I'd say that. Um, <laughs> if you need, guys, if you want, listeners, if you want to uh, hear someone, hear some people who actually know what they're talking about, Go and listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a, that's a very good podcast. You guys should you should listen to it. It's great. Thank you very much. We we did just uh, had a very interesting few couple of episodes about Colombia, but uh, because of our co-host has been has been there for uh, during the election. Perfect. I mean, much less parochial than than the social mm. review. We we're mm. proud for not being um, kind of Westminster brained. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> mm. um, Julia. Where can people find you? Uh, 
don't find me. Just like, don't, it's fine. Don't, <laughs> don't find <laughs> Julia. Uh, Julia's a, you know, mystery. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It's it's actually it's fine. Like I got all the followers I needed. Like you know, I'm at Julia uh, Julia Blanc. Dot, um, oh my god, I'm at Julia Blanc one on Twitter. Um, if you want to follow me, but honestly, don't because it's really bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you were just described by a friend of mine as the funniest person. Yeah, met, met so. Um, Follow my my advice would be follow Stephen Bush and you'll see Julia's best content. Okay, that that will be your your your. <laughs> because I mean that that just makes it sound like she's ripping you off. No, no 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 more more that you'll find Julia. <laughs> Go on. Yeah no if you wanna if you wanna know what I think. Follow Stephen Bush on Twitter, and, yeah. then, and that's and then, it. So that's, all, that's all her take. Follow so. Stephen Bush on Twitter, and I'll picture this followed by a stupid joke. And it's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 you'll also find me doing the same. So. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and Sean, uh, can people find you somewhere? Regrettably, they can. Um, I'm at Devo <laughs> Lou Sean on Twitter, which is a pun I'm very proud of. Really good. Do you want to say that again? Because I think I laughed over it's, your. It's uh, Devo Lou Sean, uh, Devo Lou, and then S E A N. Nice, nice stuff. Okay, brilliant. Thanks all. See you soon.